On today's show... You gotta be grateful for that development that you had that caused you to look at things. Oh, this is cake compared to reporting out to a COO. You wouldn't want life to be easy. It's nice to enjoy it, but I don't think you would appreciate things if you didn't have the obstacles that came before them. Hello, this is Josh here with a quick public service announcement. There will be times in this podcast where you hear us refer to the title Investing Heart to Heart, which was the original name of the show before our research showed us that the audience connected better with Wealth Building with Friends. So thank you for joining the Wealth Building with Friends community. And please leave a review with a couple comments wherever you listen to podcasts because that is how we can sustain growth. And we really need you. Thank you for being part of the tribe. Welcome to Wealth Building with Friends. I'm Usha Patel. Our partners, Melanie and Josh McAllen, will join Bob and I as we meet families just like yours. Our guests come from all walks of life. Successful sales professionals, business owners, consultants, contractors. This podcast will explore the why behind investing and dig deep into the power of relationships, no matter where you are on your personal investment journey. Learn side by side with all of us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back. This is Investing Heart to Heart, right, Melanie? As it is. I'm glad to be here. So Melanie uh, McCallan here, uh, myself, is, I'm Josh, by the way. I love how professional this is. But Bob and Usha, <laughs> it's great to see you guys again. How are you doing? It is wonderful to be back on Investing Heart to Heart with the two of you. You know, I'm always excited uh, only because I love people and I love to meet different people. And I love to hear the stories of how how people actually get around with the whole investing thing. So progress equals happiness. And I love just hearing people's progress and what, what, what are possibilities out there. So I'm excited to meet uh, Zach and Kelly today. You've got such cool and accomplished guests. <laughs> you do. And we're about to bring on a great couple and one of the things that's coming to our heart, Melanie and I talk about a lot now, now that we're starting to understand how investing heart to heart works, right, guys, we're going to get better every show, is this is just to make sure everybody gets a privileged opportunity like you and I somehow had these privileges, Ushin Bob. Someone introduced the idea of investing to us and started to make it less scary. And that's kind of what we're going to get to, to hear today is this dynamic family that just took one step at a time. So... Before I steal their thunder, let's welcome Zach and Kelly Zimmer. It's so great to have you guys here. Hey, thank you. Uh, Hi, thanks. We are. Uh, this is our first time on any type of uh, a podcast, so we're excited to uh, to be a part of something and, and and again learn you guys as well and and talk about uh, kind of like how we've gotten where we're at and see uh, where the future can go. Well, we're we're really we're really excited to dive in with you guys. Um, Zach, we had a great time a couple weeks ago with you um, at, at our property and I'm just excited to meet Kelly. I've heard so many great things through this whole thing. I do have to mention that, you know, Josh and I had this cool accountable equity background. Bob and Usha have the beautiful Renault, but you guys have an awesome background that's not fake. <laughs> wait, wait, fake? No, you mean virtual. Wait. Virtual, sorry. There's actually real yeah, palm you, trees behind you guys. The, <laughs> yep, yep, we got the uh, the real thing, the real palm trees, the real ocean, dolphins out here in the bay uh, in St. Pete. Now, Kelly, is this the home you designed? No, uh, that home is in Ohio. This okay. is actually uh, my sister-in-law, Zach's sister's condo, but 
she's kind enough to let us use it as often as we want. So oh, wonderful. And that's a nice family. I know that's <laughs> Mel- Melanie always says, let's just hear a little bit about the family. What, what's going on? How many children? How, how long have you guys been together and where'd you meet? We will be married 12 years in October. Two kids, both girls, Kagan and Cassidy, two Irish names. I'm Irish, Kelly, and one golden retriever. <laughs> yes. We have lived, gosh, in five houses in our 12 years together. Wow. So it is, if, if nothing else, we have never been bored. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, this whole thing coming about and why we're on this podcast I can think of one story, speaking of kids and um, how many houses we've lived in and things like that, that is probably the defining moment. I have one defining moment. When Zach came to me, I was seven months pregnant with our first daughter, and we were literally building a house, had sold the house we lived in, living in my parents' basement. (laughs) Every parent's dream, you have your pregnant daughter living in your basement. (laughs) There's always cool stories that come out of living Uh in my parents' basement. (laughs) Both had master's degrees. Both had our master's degree living in my parents' basement. And anyway, he comes to me one day after work, and I'm ginormously pregnant, and he says, we're going to buy a house. I said, well, well, yeah, we're building a house. That's why we're living in my parents' basement. He said, no, we're, we're, we're going to take out a small mortgage and, and buy another house. And I panicked. <laughs> we, have, we have a baby on the way. Don't know what we're going to do with that. Never done it before. We're building a house. And now you're telling me that we're going to take out another mortgage on a house we're not going to live in? You're going to be landlords and deal with toilets. And I'm like, and oh, the questions and the questions and the questions. And he he had number. He's a numbers guy. I'm a design gal. So we think very opposite. But if you combine us, we kind of work together. So anyway, he showed me some numbers and said, you know, if this much goes to principal and you take this much off of rent and da 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 I'm like, Okay, so (laughs) the number one thing is I'm not great with numbers. So I would say if the start of your journey has to be trust, I mean, I was a nervous wreck and I said, okay, start with one and show me that it works. We are now 56 later (laughs) and I work, but not a W-2 job. Um, I work as a mom, as a homekeeper, and had he not done this, I wouldn't get to spend time with my kids, and he wouldn't get to come stay in this condo as often, and so I am so grateful that he's smart, (laughs) 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 because both of us were raised and taught in college that um, you're taught how to interview and how to work for an employer and move up the management ladder you're you're never really taught how to make your own money they teach you to get a job and then that's what you uh what you grow up and know i'm gonna do this i want to have this job and i remember thinking oh man if i can make a hundred grand as a director and oh, i could be don johnson right in my ferrari that's what i thought when i was like 13 years old yeah. and you think that but then you start at some point if you're fortunate enough to if you guys are familiar with the matrix right and you take the red pill and it wakes him up <laughs> and that, that's what it is. I mean, that is such a perfect 
just teaching lesson in the matrix where he's stuck and then he takes the pill and it opens him up. And that's like, you know, rich dad, poor dad, or the slight edge, any of these things that, that help you to take that pill and be like, wow. It's kind of hard to take that pill though, isn't it? Because when, when you, when you spend your whole life focusing on getting a job and, and, and creating a corporate future for yourself and then you switch gears, it takes, you know, there's a little bit of, if it, if nothing else, of a mental risk, right? I, yeah, I mean, it's scary. Yeah. So we are, are one of you more of, of a risk averse person or, or are you about the same or how do you feel about, about that jumping out and doing something different? Yeah, I mean, risk. I, I like to gamble. <laughs> yeah. I, love, you know, I love, you know, fortunately I got out of, I mean, I used to love sports betting and, and I loved getting engaged in sports. And I think that was one of the things as I, you know, as I started investing, I couldn't just sit down and watch sports, but if I was betting on it, ooh, I could watch that game. <laughs> and, uh, I, I did pretty well until she helped me out on some bets, and then we, we didn't do so well. And then, <laughs> and then that was it for, uh, for sports betting, and let's just, you know, uh, let's focus on the investments. But, yeah, I like to, to take risks, and I'd say as I've gotten more, I've become less aggressive now to where in some of these partnerships and some of these things I've been forming, I'm actually the one saying, oh, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Whereas some of these younger investors that I'm partnering with are like, oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm trying to slow them down and, and be the be negative. Whereas I always used to be the Cardone, you know, foot to the floor, let's go buy, do it. And, uh, now are conservative, but what a great way, Kelly and Zach, that you guys got us right into the conversation where where I hope this whole conversation goes. But I gotta, I gotta, we gotta ask you to pause on one second. Could you give us a little more of your background because I know it, and we want the world to know it too. Both of you are really successful. Both of you have some engineering background, correct? So yeah, mine was engineering, or hers uh, communication, and then got into more on the marketing side. At we, that's where we met at the same company at a company called Timken. So big, big bearings and steel. Um, she was came up through marketing, pricing, kind of what's a product management. Well, my master's is in organizational leadership, and I really loved that program. And that kind of led me on the path of like an HR, the training and development portion. So I left the pricing and the marketing aside. And the last thing I did before I had kids was the training and development. And so, yeah, but that's how we met is for, is through Timken. Yep. Yep. And I was coming up through supply chain, continuous improvement. We met through a mutual friend and um, yeah, kind of continued up through there to where I started getting into the investing um, we moved around a couple times. Her, uh, so this was an interesting thing of, you know, I don't want to get there, but when um, when private equity took ownership of Timken, and it was actually featured, um, it's one of the stories in the book, Makers and Takers. You know, they split it up, and and that was a, an eye-opening book for me because I was I was part of that. She was actually still working there at the time to see the negative side of kind of extreme capitalism. Uh, of what can happen, and you know that was a, a different book for me because I'm right. I'm capitalism, right? Grow, buy, produce, business, and then you read some of the stories in that book, and it takes you back a notch. And she was she was part of it, right? This private equity got enough ownership, take it to a vote. They split the company in two, and then they sold off. They made five six hundred million, and both companies really faltered. And and her her division, she was over um, 
the LMS, the learning management system, the Timken University. So like with Viva Me, right, how do you have all your training and development and your cultural and they just set up, oh, that's not a division that's going to survive. And, and it was done. Mm, and by the way, uh, I would love for you to feel free to share us a little more about this whole continuous improvement and your passion, because you did a really nice job from understanding your story, spending two days with you. You did not jump ship right away to become an investor. It's almost like you leveraged every day as a W-2 person. And we should we shouldn't use all these terms. W-2 means that you had a steady paycheck. You worked with a big company and you had a steady income and you could live off it. You strategically made a path. And that whole, not everybody thinks the way you do. So I'd love for you to dive in and, and maybe a little more of the conversation of how you leveraged being a W-2, went through all that chaos of the W-2 career because you can't guarantee that Tim Kim's going to be here next year, can you? And I guess that's your point, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I was still am very high energy and always. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's shaking her head. Big yes. Not, not nearly as much <laughs> the as first that. thing I thought was he, non, he just doesn't stop going. Yeah, I, I loved kind of the stress that W-2 did bring to me. And, and I knew I wasn't going to be one of these guys and you hear about them. I meet them at events at, oh, you know, I started wholesaling. Oh, I made a couple of wholesales. I'm quitting my job. You know, like, well, but what money do you have to invest? Yeah. Or if, if you get your, your passive income up to a hundred grand and then you quit your, your hundred thousand dollar day job, what do you have left to invest? You're going to consume all of that. And, um, you know, I just became obsessed with letting that snowball just grow and grow and grow. And, uh, you know, it got to over three times what I made as a director of continuous improvement. And I probably would still be working today, uh, but the division was eliminated. And uh, some of the jokes that my friends would tell me, they're like, oh, you're going to work until you get fired. And I'm like, you know, probably I'll probably just continue working until I got fired. And that's what happened. And actually, it's ultimately terrifying. We were in our brand new house. I'm in the kitchen cooking. And he comes home and it's like two o'clock in the afternoon and I look at him and he's like, Meh, I lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, we just finished that. I literally job. like made sure the kids weren't around or anything. Cause they're old enough that that's a scary phrase, you sure. know, to think mom and dad aren't working, you know, but they weren't around. And I just looked at him and I'm like, are we okay? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so wouldn't that be a wonderful feeling mm -hmm. to, eh, I lost my job. Like that's uh, most people that's, that's devastating. So, and, and so if we go back, so like the defining point, you know, I think one of the questions you like to ask is when do you become accountable with your equity? Um, you know, a little bit of a twist on that question, right? The defining point for, for me, one of the key things was when we didn't have all the homes, we had like six homes. Uh, we had just jumped, we were building that first house, living in the parents' basement. We had just moved into this new house halfway to Cleveland. I had taken a new job uh, for working, uh, driving continuous improvement in the corporate centers. So HR, environmental health and safety, purchasing, uh, supply chain. I was leading a boot camp down in Kentucky for frontline leaders, training on standard work and operations, continuous improvement, root cause problem solving. And the private equity company that owned uh, this company said, oh, we missed our uh, last quarter. We're cutting $10 million of S&A. 
the Alaris operating system, your continuous improvement model is done, right? We don't need that improvement function to, to still run the business. We can run it without continuous improvement. So I'm in a hotel in Kentucky. We just built this house. I had just submitted like a $30,000 expense report for all the moving, the closing costs, all these things. She's at home with a new baby. I oh, just, oh, a new baby and another one on the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pregnant with a five-month-old. Yes. Back. They were, yeah, they're only 14 months apart. So like I said, we've never been bored. <laughs> so, so here I am. I'm in a hotel room in tears, right? Calling her. She's in tears. Mm. The we baby just, was in tears. <laughs> and, and what are we going to do? Oh my goodness, what are we, are we selling this brand new house? Are we moving back into the parents' basement? What are we going to do? <laughs> and, um, and that was a horrible experience because we had like four or five houses, really, you know, nothing compared to what we just lost. And, you know, that was such a, just a, a tough experience that somebody else made that decision to impact us that way. Yeah, but I think it motivated you. Well, that's what I'm saying. That was a really determining factor in all right this is never going to happen to us again i'm starting to understand how to how to take care of ourselves how to make our own journey and we're not going to let this happen again and, and at that same time i'm still reading you know rich dad poor dad and some of the other advisor books hadn't gotten into some of the more advanced things hadn't found cardone or any of that yet and podcasts weren't this is 2012 so podcasts probably just really starting but that was i mean fortunately landed fine, great job, uh, but then just pedal to the metal of how do we, you know, take care of ourselves instead of letting an employer do it for us to when, you know, when it happened again, seven, eight years later, it was like, eh, all right, this, it happened. There we go. Very, very different feeling. I just continued on cooking dinner and having fun and he, he never went back to work, which is an adjustment also. <laughs> yeah, I, I think sometimes it's the pain leverage that gives us the real inspiration to do whatever it takes, you know, to achieve what we want to achieve. I'm curious, guys, you know, you, you went from like 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 single family homes. Uh, and plus, you've, you've got one or two children along the way. Uh, what kind of leverage did you have, if any, to help you manage this? Because this isn't a part time thing. This is this is getting more and more like a big business, right? What was your team like if, if you could share that with us? So a couple things, you know, I, one of the reasons, so if, if you ever, if you saw that email, like what I talking about the progression, you know, it, it was my learning that was slow in those first couple years, as well as didn't have the team going through different real estate agents, contractors that would, uh, would screw me over and I'd have to get lawsuits and liens on them houses that would get broken into by other contractors and they take my appliances. I mean, it was a evictions. Yeah. I mean, you're going through evictions while all this is happening and you know, that's all happening in the couple hours after I would leave my W2 or on the weekends. So it, it was a lot until about year three, finding a couple really solid uh, investor focused real estate agents and then finding a great general contractor that slowly became pretty much full-time for me on managing the flips once we started flipping and, and my my background in systems and me staying out of it <laughs> right i'm non-value added as an investor in, in flipping or in rentals, I'm really not that value added. The real estate agent and the general contractor stay out of the way. 
right? Empower them, pay them when he wants paid, tell them, you know, answer them when they want answered. But I don't need to go there and babysit once I found the right guy. I don't need to go look at houses once I trust my real estate agent. So I started buying houses without seeing them. And she would hand the key to the general contractor and he would go rehab it. And if it was going into my, my program, then yeah, I would take them at the end and I would show it and I would make sure because I've never been able to get out of the connecting with the tenant piece. Um, I haven't handed that off yet. And, and maybe because it's, these aren't pure rentals, I do more of the rent purchase option. So I'm working with this person over years until they get their financing. So it's, it is a closer relationship. But yeah, I, I haven't handed that off yet because I want to know who's in my homes. And, and it hasn't been, I mean, there's been nothing really bad. Like they don't come to my house. These are good middle income people. But it's definitely getting out of the way, right? Not being a micromanager. And I've tried to, I mentor some people that get way too into the details. And they're stopping in, looking over people's shoulders. And you, you need to do that initially. But if you have to keep doing that on a fourth or fifth project, that's the wrong person. Or you need to look at yourself and say, I need to back out of this. It's interesting because it almost seems like you found what you were looking for by identifying what you didn't want. You know, in, your, in your first, uh, your, your contractor and your agent, you said, well, that's not what I, I don't want that. So I got to find yeah, what I, I didn't what I really want need. or I couldn't. I didn't have the time. I couldn't babysit. I couldn't stop in all the time. Right. Um, another management tool you had. So another piece of all of this is um, collecting the rent. So, and tracking it all. He has this insane spreadsheet and it's wonderful. And he always tells me if something happens to me, well, you need to look at it. <laughs> However, um, there's all that data, but as far as, you know, collecting rent and who's due when you found this wonderful system called Cozy. Yeah, it's all online. So, they all pay ACH. And exactly. So, and then he gets a notification if something, if somebody hasn't paid or if they underpaid. So that's something that has let you be a, a lot more hands-free Yeah, is the collections. Yep. Um, because before you had Cozy, you were spending was, a lot of time doing checks, balances, accounting, Yep. you know. So that is another tool that has helped you manage this. Yeah. Hi, this is Melanie McCallan. Josh and I are just so grateful for the many investors who have already joined us at Accountable Equity. Accountable Equity is so much more than a capital group. It's really a community of accredited investors that want to learn and grow together. I just want to personally invite you, if you want to find out more about this type of investment and see if it's right for you and your family, please visit us at accountableequity.com. I love, I love that you're sharing that your story and that you're, you are being very candid about the pain in the first three years, because I think it's important for people. And you say you're mentoring people. I'm thinking of, I have some younger brothers who are just starting to want to get into this. And the first thing they think of is what if the hot water tank goes, what if I get sued? What if I, you know, all these what ifs and it keeps you really paralyzes people. And so just hearing this, that it's okay, it's actually probably good, right? You go through all of that. Now you're, now you've, um, you've been seasoned, you've know, you know, the red flags and then he created you, I created a team. And I think that's what people think a lot of times is that they, when they're doing this, they're going to do every single project themselves and it's all relies on themselves. And you right away, I think because of all your training and teams, even though you said you backed out, 
in systems, you realize that a system had to be put in place in terms of the right team members that could help you scale. And so I'm just blown away. Now, Kelly, did you, are you good at helping um, figure out these team members? Are you, you know, does your husband say, what do you think of this guy? (laughs) I'm probably more critical. (laughs) But honestly, social media nowadays kind of lets you see into the character of people, you know, so you get these people that potential tenants name and you do it. You'll go out and see if you can find them on Facebook and stuff. And I'll be like, nope. <laughs> but then, I mean, there's been, but you have learned and you probably have very, um, some of your tenants have similar demographics. Like we have several single moms in the medical field and, yeah. and it just, and he's learned, you know, okay, this is. I've become uh, to, to what Melanie was talking about. All those things, they give you mental calluses. Right. You know, you get, right. You work with your hands all day. You get calluses. You don't feel that pain. So the first time you have a flood in a house or you go through your evictions or you've got somebody who's refusing to talk to you and deleting your calls, those are calluses. And I had sleepless nights, many, many nights. And now when those things happen again, eh, I know how, you know, I, I, I've been through it. All right. I'm going to have a place vacant for two weeks. A guy's going to go in there, tear out the carpet, put in the carpet. I'm going to move a new tenant in, in two weeks. Like you have to get through those and somebody you can't talk to. You can't get that from, from mentoring until you've lived it. Like you walk into a house that two dogs lived in for three weeks alone and destroyed the house and it's horrible. But now I've seen a house like that get turned around in a weekend and move somebody in new on a Monday. You know, Cardone talks about fear, false events appearing real. And it's more that these are true events though, but you think they're going to be so much worse than they are. You're like, oh, this house is going to be condemned. I'm going to have to tear out the drywall or that. But then you're like, no, okay, it wasn't bad. It was two days and, and it's back around. And, and you have to have that happen um, and get through those experiences to be like, oh, there's nothing that, that can stop us. Oh, be sued? I've been sued. All right. You know, the insurance company it got thrown out in court because she was, she was nutty. And, but that, when I first get this lawsuit for $100,000, you're like, oh, my goodness, we're going to have to sell properties. What's going to happen here? And back to me being a little more critical of who, who we rent to, I think I'm also a little more emotional as well because there's been times where there's a single mom with four kids hasn't paid her rent in what? I mean, um, she was going on. It can go a couple months. And oh, she went longer than that. But then here's me. I'm like. We can't kick her out. There's four kids. But what do you do? Is it business or are we? So that's where you kind of have to, you are very kind in many situations. You are. And then it's almost like when you do evict, I don't want to know about it. I'm not good. Yeah, I'm not good with evictions. But I worry about where what's going to happen to the kids. And most times people do catch up. Yeah. But it, it can be an emotional it can be, you see some things that are difficult to see, especially when you have kids of your own yeah. and, and you see the, you know, these living conditions or the thought of if we evict them, there's these kids on the street and it, it can tug at your heartstrings. It, it was a lot more work during the growth phase when you're adding a house a month and you don't want them to sit vacant and then maybe you make some bad decisions, right? This person's good enough. They've got a good deposit. Now, you know, stable, not really growing, mostly 
I mean, because I've focused on other investments, um, I feel really satiated with uh, 50 some single family homes and looking at else other markets for other types of investments and more passive investments and partnerships. I mean, managing that business takes two hours a week, like a couple hours a week with the right people in place, automated payments. It's very passive. He golfs every day. <laughs> he does golf a lot, by the way. But Bob, I would love for you and Usha to share, maybe how does this correlate to all the work you do in the financial mastery teaching? Like, Share with us how you're seeing this kind of develop from your perspective. Well, you know, I, I, I think, first of all, it's, it's really common that investors begin their their journey with single family homes. I think it, it makes sense, you know, and and, uh, and that continues on to the point where they start to say, wow, um, I'm making so much passive income that maybe I can start to invest in things that allow me to do less personally or, or, or give a little bit more of the responsibility to a manager of, of a, a project that I don't have to be directly involved in. So it's, it's, it's kind of a progression where you guys are actually, you've already experienced that. You move on to invest in, in resorts and things like this, which are really exciting too. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just a wonderful to see your progress from, from 2000, uh, where was it? Your first one was like 2012 oh, to yeah. 2020. Yeah. You methodically just built a, an empire. It's just amazing to see that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I love what you guys, uh, the, the whole concept of uh, defining moments. I think uh, everyone listening on the call, uh, it's something to think about. Um, where are these defining moments? Because they're, they're, we all have them. It's whether we pay attention to them or not. Uh, and really a great reminder for people to, to, to look back sometimes, where was that window that I did not actually explore going through or looking through or taking that time. And I think the information that you're sharing, uh, it, it's really valuable for people to know, okay, well, you know, when I have things or I have that opportunity right now, where is that? The environment where we're in right now, uh, as tough as it might seem, it might be the time for people to look and see what do I need to learn? Who do I need to align myself with? Uh, I'm hearing you talk a lot about reading uh, and educating yourself and um, and looking at where else and who else can support me on this journey uh, no one succeeds alone, uh, and this is the reason for this podcast too, is uh, learning and reaching out. Um, I love what you said about that book as well. Uh, I'm writing that down. Makers and takers. So is, so for, is that, is that uh, very similar to givers and takers? I haven't read that. Yeah, so I, I made a, a note of this because I, it, it's, it, it really does remind us in life, you know, how can we be the givers as well? You know, when I'm thinking about your 50, uh, it's you're providing a huge service in the communities that we live in. And I love what you said, Kelly, it's true. Uh, we're dealing with families. It's business, it's families, it's emotions, it's heart, and yet also making those decisions on how you continue to move forward as business people. There's also something I think you've integrated into your personal life and your professional life. And, and Zach, I'm not sure if this is also yeah. kind of uh, moving to Kelly by osmosis as well, but that whole being involved on a corporate level from with constant never-ending improvement. Yeah. Because the more involved you are in that in the corporate level, you start to look at yourself that way and say, you know, who do I have to become? What what process do I have to go to become the best possible version of myself and improve myself all the time? And you could see that uh, in your in your history with jumping into Cardone's strategy and just 
immersing yourself in that and, and taking action. It was really cool. This is our time, Zach and Kelly, where we just shower you with praise. But uh, no, it's true. Uh, the, the biggest thing, and I'm, I'm hoping maybe the title of your podcast, as we're on your podcast and listening to your story, I almost really hope that you're telling the story of W2 leveraged into passive freedom life freedom. I mean, that's what you did so well. That's, that's been the biggest thing. If you look at what's unique about our experience, it was very fortunate to um, come up. You know, I I don't, I don't praise education, but it got us to where we're at, right? That had the education allowed me to have a good job. I worked really hard, progressed very well in W2. And then, you know, we didn't really touch. We let that thing grow and grow and grow and grow. And um, to get to the point where, yeah, it was great. And it's still feeding and investing and growing itself while we live a, uh, a very good life right at 40 years old. Yeah, no, you're too young to retire. You're in your 40s. I think. Are you even 40, Zach? 40. Yeah, Zach, Zach. So Zach, you introduced to me yourself to me face to face and you're, you're one of our investors. So it's a big honor to have your family, you and Kelly here. And you said, I'm retired. And I'm like, you are like the healthiest looking retired guy of all time. You know, like you could, you could run a marathon this afternoon. Another, another kind of defining event. You know, I read Tim Ferriss's book, his first one on the five hour work week, four hour work week. Four, um, yeah, whatever. Save an four. hour. Close enough. <laughs> four hours a week, about what I do. But as I'm reading that and some others, um, both of our fathers retired right around that same time. And within about a year, um, so, so my dad loves fishing and he's always working with his hands and he had to have his knuckles replaced. And so now he can't use his hands, really. I mean, he can use them, but he can't fish and he can't do all these things. And then her father retired and within a year, two years, systemic scleroderma and now has a walker. So this Marine who rode a motorcycle, he retires to spend time in Colorado, ride his bike, do all these things. So both of our parents worked the best years of their life to retire to what they expected to be golden years of fishing, traveling, motorcycling, living life with grandkids, and neither one can. can. And that was another one to be like, all right, how do we're fast forwarding retirement to, to now. Do to it while able- you're young and you can. Usha, isn't that a defining moment, the motorcycle situation? I mean, that's it exactly is. what Usha is saying. It is. And 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 I, I, I'm loving this, this story because um, I teach a program called Quantum Leap. And it's all about um, learning. You know, when we're young, we're learning. You know, we get the education and all that. And then we work. And then we play. And the goal of Quantum Leap, uh, creating a Quantum Leap life is to learn and work and play at the same time so that we're not waiting. It's remove the boxes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the traditional way of living. And it, it's just a great reminder, and especially for people that are young listening to this. It's like, don't wait. You know, if you've got some, some uh, uh, fears around this, learn and get started. <laughs> uh, first couple of years are going to be challenging, right? It's failing forward. Integrate learning, working, playing every day. And the thing that sticks out to me in, in, in I'm just, the, the word that keeps sticking out to me is, is Kelly when she went, eh, you know, that I just keep thinking oh, of when, that when, over. When when she, when he, yeah, when he came home and he's like, lost my job. Are we okay? Eh, we'll 
be fine. <laughs> I just think that that's like a dream a for dream people for to be able to say, eh, I almost wish that would be the title, eh, you know, <laughs> because it's like, who can say that? And I think especially COVID just shook everybody, right? Like uh, anybody with a W, anybody, anybody, right? Everybody was just like, whoa, life is not secure. You know, this is not like hang your hat on the wall and just like, just keep doing it. Anything can change at any time. And so I guess I'm asking you, like, is it worth it? Is the struggle worth it? And it seems that you're saying, yes, you know, there's, there's the W2 struggle going up that ladder and the struggle doing that. And then there's the struggle with real estate. And, and it sounds like it's worth it because it sounds like you, you are taking matters into your own hands and giving yourself options. And I just want to speak to that again, just like you just have such a positive attitude, Zach, of just like minimizing things when they happen. And just this is this you're just proof of how it's worth it. I don't know if you could speak to that. A little of that is the W2 when when you have vice presidents pounding you about machines broke down and what happened Saturday, you know, getting a call Saturday at 10 o'clock. I remember being on the couch. We have a, a line go down in Arizona. What are you doing? You need to get an engineer there tomorrow. You need to be out there next week. And when, when you have gone through those stresses, which I mean, I kind of liked because it gave me that shot of cortisol, right? It had that shot <laughs> of, okay, it's stress and you work through it. And, and that was another reason why I kept it as long as I did. Yeah, I loved the snowball, but I also enjoyed that stress. It was wearing on you, though. I mean, I re- it was you. You handled well, stress very, very well. But the last job you worked, the you one before, were, yeah. or the, it was the one before this last one. So you were probably the most stressed I've ever seen you. So before, so my most recent one was um, director of continuous improvement in healthcare, and. I had jumped to that because fortunately we had all the investments. My, my job before that was back was in manufacturing where I'd come and it was very stressful. It was a private equity turnaround, really messed up production systems all around the country, making windows and siding and just a horribly labor intensive process, lots of breakdowns, a lot of stress in that turnaround. And I was like, all right, I, I, I want to keep snowballing all this, but I can't stay in manufacturing anymore. I just... I can't put up with the stress. And that's when this opportunity came up and I worked out that last year and a half, much, much lower stress mm-hmm. working in, in with, with clinicians and with billing and coding and the medical and, and ER uh, space and working with people instead of machines and, and really enjoyed that. But yeah, you, you have to, you got to be grateful for that development that you had, that, that, you know, that, that caused you to look at things, oh, this is cake compared to reporting out to a COO, you know, on why these things were broke down and how do you fix this system and how do we fix our tack times? You got to appreciate what it did to get you there. You wouldn't want life to be easy. I mean, I, it, it's nice to enjoy it, but I don't think you would appreciate things if you didn't have the obstacles that came before them. And, and now just walking this fine line between, and I reflect on it at least, you know, almost hourly, probably, depending upon what I'm doing, like th- thankful for where we're at and grateful, right, that I'm on the golf course almost every morning, you know, whether I'm with, with business guys and we're, we're having meetings and networking on the course or whether I run out there by myself and I run through 18 in an hour and 45 minutes. And Listen to this guy. Yeah. Is he showing off, Bob? <laughs> to carry the bag on your back and like, 
<laughs> well, I'm not running. I'm on a golf cart, but like just thankful that I'm out there, right? Listening to my podcast, golfing, running through the course, and I'm not at a job, you know. And then, but also knowing that you want to be thankful and grateful, but also understand that there's a lot of people, right, that are levels above you in everything and in their fitness, right? Bob talked a lot about fitness and health and and in their business and in their their networks, right? You know, there are master networkers who are, are connected to everybody. And so thankful and grateful, yet knowing that you're still, still have a long way, a lot of possibility above you. There's so much power in gratitude. I mean, gratitude is is a choice. And by the way, I'll let Usha and Bob wrap up here by thanking you guys. But I want to remind Kelly, have you has your husband brought you home some of your delicious wine yet? No. What? I know. <laughs> Hello. I was wondering about that, Zach. Maybe it wasn't available when you were with us that day uh, at your resort with us. But uh, we appreciate I like wine. She's the wine drinker, and I'm not. We so better happy get yet. you some, buddy. We better get you on the wine club circuit. I, I, I do. I, I um, you know, the more you're sharing your story, uh, one of my favorite quotes is when we're grateful, abundance appears. And it truly, both of you have so much gratitude. I mean, the, your stories of this, you know, putting your, being able to deal with all the difficult times and yet you're so grateful. And humble. And yeah, I, lo- I just love that. And, and definitely for, it's, it is, it, even in the challenging times, it seems like, you know, you, you're filled with gratitude. And as what you said, Kelly, how can we appreciate that if we are always having a, a good time, right? The tough times will help us really during that time when we're grateful. Uh, that's the key. Even more so, yeah. I just want to thank you guys so much. I don't want to interrupt uh, Melanie or Bob as well, but it's a pleasure to have you guys here. It's a pleasure to get to know you. One of the things when Melanie helped us come up with the idea and Bob and Usha, why don't we get to know the people that we're working with in community? Mm-hmm. We're so grateful to get to know you guys and your story is going to help so many good people. Yeah, Zach and Kelly, I know you are very, very busy people. And uh, sometimes people love to come on the <laughs> podcast. Sometimes they're a little bit apprehensive. So if any of that apprehension was part of you, thank you for for getting out of the box, right? And joining us today, because I know what you shared is so valuable to so many people that are listening to this podcast. So thank you very much. And yes, yes. Thank you. I enjoyed meeting you all. It was great. So how was your podcast? Now she's been a part of them and she's listened to them. Now you've been a part. I've been a part. Of Isn't fun. that cool? It's so yeah, fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> You're going to have a great time listening to it too. And so uh, hopefully, maybe the kids will even like it. I don't know if they're old enough, but uh, Still love hearing it. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Kelly. You guys were, were just so generous in sharing your story. I know it's it's really going to touch people. Thank you. And on behalf of myself and my darling wife, Usha Patel, and Melanie and Josh McCallum, I want to thank all of our guests for joining us and hope you join us again soon. We have so many cool people to speak to coming up shortly. Thank all you. right. Thanks, guys. Take thank care. You. Thank you for joining us at the table. No matter where you are on your personal investment journey, we're glad you came. Join us next time for another engaging episode of Wealth Building with Friends.